I'm very thankful for David. David came to me last week and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing communion, like a whole song service throughout that. And I just trust David implicitly. I think, I think he, he's not going to take it lightly. And uh, I, I really appreciate you, David, this morning and the way you led worship. Uh, it, it, is, it is really hard to do something different, isn't it? It's a little nerve-wracking, isn't it, David? When you thought, I'm going to change the order of worship, your knees start knocking. Well, how will they come at me with pitchforks? <laughs> Only if they bring them, you know? The trick is to not tell anybody what's going to happen and then just, surprise! That's, uh, that's the trick. Ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Wives know that trick all too well. <laughs> so we have a, um, but, but we have this, we have sort of a built-in comfort zone that we've added to Jesus and we call it something, but we, the thing we call it is not a great descriptor because the thing we call it talks about a lot of different other things. But what we, typic, what we typically call doctrine is just like the things I like that I believe and I don't want those things crossed. Doctrine, when added to Jesus, makes Jesus less. Anything you add to the fact that Jesus saved the gospel message which is that Jesus died on a cross forgiving us of our sins. He rose from the grave conquering death and now He sits on the throne and defeats division. Whatever you add to that can drag that down. It doesn't make it greater. So, when we talk about doctrine, I'm not going to say that the things you believe are wrong. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, I, I definitely don't want to make any of you uncomfortable. That's for sure. Because wouldn't Jesus be upset if some of his followers were uncomfortable? He wouldn't be. Jesus is fine with this. And this, this is where, this is a, a problem we run into in, in Christian life is that we have actually elevated our understanding of Jesus over Jesus himself. We've, we've elevated our, what, how we understand God over God. What was the first sin? The very first sin in the garden snake comes to Adam and Eve. Eve talks to the snake. Adam, like a good husband, stands behind quietly. And he and, and they, for the first time in all of, for the first time in, in, in all of God having created them, talk about God instead of to God. 
The first sin is theology. The first sin is them trying to figure out how to understand God instead of just going to God and being in wonder of God. The first sin is having some sort of a system in which I can figure out God instead of just being in awe of the fact that God figured me out. It's trying to get one up on God. Whenever you can just understand it. In other words, God, you know, we've got, to, we've got to do things this way and this way and this way because of this scripture. And if you look at that scripture, and then you go over here and then you go over here and then you go over here. And we cannot read the gospel one bit, but have a doctor. It doesn't mean you're wrong about the Bible, except that you are. About something, right? You got to be. Just odds. You're wrong about a lot of other stuff that are way less complicated than an ancient document that's been translated out of an ancient period, out of an ancient time, out of ancient customs, into American customs. What? Obviously, you're going to be wrong about it. About something. And that's okay. But you can tell we've elevated doctrine over Jesus. Because we'll stand with all sorts of people and we'll say, Jesus saves. And they'll say, that's right, Jesus saves. And this person will say, that's right, Jesus saves. And we'll say, that's right. What do you, how, what, how do you believe that? And they'll tell you and you'll be like, oh, Jesus, don't save you. Well, what about you over here? Oh, and also Jesus doesn't save you. Well, why not? Is it because Jesus is weak? No, it's because your doctrine is weak. And that gives us a way. It makes us, it, it proves that we believe our doctrine saves us and not Jesus. We believe our, our thoughts about God make us holy and it's not God that makes us holy. We think it's our understanding of Scripture that brings us good news, not the Scripture itself that brings us good news. And that what, what we actually need is not to get it right to get God right, but what we actually need is to get with God. You can talk about God your whole life and sound holy and sound better than and sound correct. And not be with God one second of the day. And it's all for naught. See, it's the presence of Jesus, the, the connection with Jesus, the relationship with God we have through Jesus. That's what saves us. But we have these things. We, what are your things? The things that if someone does that, we're like, oh, I don't know. Mm-mm, I don't like that. And the Bible doesn't like that either. Isn't it convenient that the Bible and God dislike all the things you dislike? Isn't it easy that the Bible and God dislike all the people that you dislike? 
And if we, if we do something a certain way that you don't like, well, I mean, obviously the Bible is there for us. The Bible don't like that. Let me just find it. And what we do with the Bible is we turn it into a concordance. We're just looking for words. Say, well, that, you know, obviously here he says that. That's a real big one with uh, Leviticus. Oh, man, we love Leviticus. Whenever we can just mission impossible into Leviticus and just grab the one thing we need and be zipped up through the ceiling. I'm tempted just to say, let's stand and sing because that analogy was so good. <laughs> but the, we love it. Because in one verse, in one verse in Leviticus, it says, um, I don't know, that's a, like, there's one that says, do not mark up your body. And you're like, ah, see, that punk I don't like, he's violating the Bible. Like two verses later, it says, don't mix cotton and polyester in the same blend. <laughs> Do you know that? That's one of the lasers on the ground you're ignoring. Oh, mixed fabric. But you never do that. You're never walking through Walmart Mart and you're like, you know what? They're just rubbing this in our face. Are you? We like ziplining in. We like, we like having, having the verses that support our, new, our nuanced life, our upbringing, our right way. Jesus has this interaction with some people who were struggling with something that was real. It was a real something. It wasn't made up. But you'll see, you'll see what it is. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look! Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. All right, at this point, um, it's so funny. The, the amount of commentaries I read this week where they are just so fast to go. You notice, real quick, notice that Jesus didn't eat any of this. Jesus was perfect, and notice it was the disciples that broke the law that we are just so anxious to explain this away that we miss the point of, of what's going on here. His companions are eating Eating the grain, and they, they say, Whoa, look, what, look, 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 look. That's what the Pharisees do. They see what isn't fair. Oh, so stupid. You know, the first analogy I wanted to say, saying this thing, now I want to just quit my job. I want to quit. So much, I should get fired for what I just said. Not for what I'm going to say in a second. All right, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just joking. Oh my goodness, I felt the room tighten up so bad. Um, 
No, but we, we, we get... The, the, the Pharisees are the ones that are like, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Look, look, look at them. And you know. You know deep in your soul if you're one of those Christians here. Look at, look at them. Oh, they don't. Mm, look, look at what they're doing. Cross the line. You know it if it's you, don't you? You know it's when you, when you know it is uh, not good. But the Pharisees were pointing at the disciples and Jesus defended them. So either Jesus broke the law, it's actually not law, it's doctrine, but we'll see the difference in a second. Or he stood up for those who did. But all of that's even beside the point because notice what he does. They say, look at what your followers are doing and he says, let me tell you what a king, what God's king does. David is on his lips. Don't you know what David did? I mean, to compare yourself, oh, the audacity to compare yourself to David, but Jesus is God's king and he knows it. He says, don't you know what David did? Or haven't you read in the law that the priest on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Jesus is saying, not the disciples, well, they're okay. He's saying they are innocent. Okay, let's talk about the Sabbath for a second. Sabbath is this complicated animal because in the Sabbath, it is a very, well, in the Old Testament, in the law, it is a very broad and general command. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then there's some, there's some, there's some lower, like some, some explainers, but not a ton. So the explainers are honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Um, don't, don't do any work. Uh, don't, don't make your slaves do any work if you have any. The, the, the immigrants who are coming through, don't make them work if, if, if they're, you know, if, if they're in your household. None of your family, nothing. Don't make anything work. Even your donkey's not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. Also, there's a strange passage where it's like, and eh, don't build a fire in your house. Also, you're not supposed to gather any manna on that day. That's really like, I really just kind of went through all of it in the Old Testament. Now, the problem is, is that whenever you go to people and you say, hey, on the Sabbath, do not work. Keep it holy. Then, us human beings, we say, hmm, what is work? And we start trying to figure out and parse what work is. Was it picking grain off of a uh, off of, off of, uh, off of a stalk? Is it uh, even now? In and I, I don't say this to uh, I don't. This is not me making fun of this because it, it is um, thoughtful. But there there are practice. There are Jewish people who believe that any time any type of connection. Creating any sort of electric, electrical connection in on the Sabbath is a uh, 
is, is a violation of the Sabbath. It means they're, they're building something on the Sabbath and they don't want to do that. So there's elevators in bigger cities that on, the, on Saturday will open and shut at every floor. Like right now, you go to New York City, there's going to be a, there are Sabbath elevators in certain communities. Because they don't want to get in and push a button and violate God's law. And there's part of me that wants to go, oh my goodness, isn't that silly? But I've got other parts of me that are, are easily tripped like that too. Where I'm like, careful, careful, careful. Where I've, God has given a command and I've, I've added so many commands to that command that I don't even want to, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if that's okay. Uh, one of my favorite things, uh, one of my favorite conundrums in the Church of Christ growing up was... Uh, we would, we would say, uh, like we, I mean, my, my church taught, like you worship with instruments, it's a sin, you're living in sin, you're going to hell. Um, and, and then they would say, come on, let's stand and sing a cappella. That's our note. But wouldn't it be funny if you just grabbed any other instrument? Like I've got a ukulele. See? There's just one note. I asked a guy about that one time. I was a t- I was, you know, a snotty-nosed little junior high kid. And I said, uh, like, what's the, what makes that not an instrument? He goes, we just play one note at a time. I've seen, okay. That doesn't, I had to take a nap after that answer. Like this, but if you like got real mouthy with it, went like that would be wrong. Like God's that particular. I I don't understand it. But I'm sure I have things that if I if I told someone else that thing, they would say, wait, wait, you're not making sense. But they make sense in my brain. But I've added it to Jesus. And that's the problem. Have your opinion. Read your Bible and have your opinions. But don't create some sort of hook onto Jesus on which you can hang all of your opinions and pull him down. Jesus saves in such a bigger way than we will ever imagine. It is my contention that when you have you have you ever gotten to gone to uh, Walmart? On a time where you forgot that it was a time that everyone was going to be there. I typically don't go to Walmart after worship on Sunday. You typically go home. But every once in a while, Rachel will say, hey, we need this thing. We're doing this for life group. Um, we, need, we need something from the store. And so I'll just run by Walmart. Now, by the time I get away from here and get to Walmart, most of you have gone to the restaurant, eaten, and gone to Walmart. And so I see a lot of you there. But I remember I, that feeling when you walk in and you go, oh, oh I didn't realize there were going to be this many people here. You're going to feel that way when you get to heaven. You're not going to walk into heaven and be like, oh, this is an exclusive club. <laughs> 
Jesus is saving people through all generations, people who didn't have it right, people who didn't have it figured out. And you may not feel like you're in that crowd, but thank God Jesus forgives people who don't have it all together. Who haven't figured out the Bible completely and totally. Who can't hear a song and go, well, I can cross that through. That song's not scriptural. I don't like it. Jesus is saving all sorts of people. All sorts of people with all sorts of sins, with all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of mistakes. There are some mistakes you make and you think, I can't overcome this. Jesus can overcome that. There are some things you do where you I've been doing this for too long. Jesus can overcome that. The doctrine can't. Your theology can't. Your nitpicks in church can't. And a Jesus who is tied to my understanding of Scripture loses his salvation, how salvific power. He loses what, what was so great. Because I say, well, as long as people are like me, then they can be like Jesus. And your doctrine doesn't save anybody. Your understanding of Scripture doesn't save anybody. I, I grew up in a... Um, and I, I think every church, every tradition does this. And those of you who are in who are from different backgrounds, let me know. But every tradition has kind of a line where they'll say, this is, this is what we believe. But you need to grow up and believe exactly this on your own. You know, like, I want our kids to have their own faith, but I'm terrified it's not going to look like my faith. I want them to understand their Bible in a certain way, but I just, I'm going to watch over it so that they do it in the way I understand it. He goes on, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for, re- looking for a reason to charge, uh, bring charges against Jesus. The Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on a Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the hand, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. I've crossed some lines in my life. In church. I know that's kind of shocking, but I've had like had moments where people are like, I don't know if we should be doing this. I don't know if we shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be doing it. Let's try it. See if it helps people worship. Let's try it and see if it help, brings people closer to God. Brings people closer to Jesus. I've crossed some lines. As far as I know, 
I've never had anyone want to kill me for it. <laughs> to the point where they've plotted. I think there may, may have been like some synapse fires, like that guy, there he, is, he just needs to die. But the plotting, I don't think they've gone that far. Don't think they plot. Jesus, by, he, by, doing, by bringing salvation to someone in a time where they didn't think it was the right time to do it, by bringing healing to someone, by bringing, this is heaven on earth, guys. This is, this is, a, this is Jesus making earth like what heaven is supposed to be. That's when he heals people, that's what he's doing. There's little glimpses of heaven all throughout when Jesus just walks through a crowd and people touch him. They are healed because all, where Jesus stands, there also heaven stands as well. And so Jesus is healing, bringing heaven to earth. Yeah, but it's on the wrong day. Their doctrine got in the way of their salvation. They added to God. And I say this completely knowing that I've got something wrong about Scripture that I think is important. But if, if you don't think that about yourself, then you won't learn anything over the next decade. You won't learn anything because, because if I've got it all right, then I, I must not test it. Correct? That's how my parents got me to believe in um, things. Oh my goodness. This is so hard to talk about, but it's very important. They would say, well, if you don't believe, they won't come. Ooh. But it felt the same way at church at times. Well, if you don't believe this, 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 and this, and this. Jesus on the cross. But here's a track. And all of these are the important scriptures that tell you why we do what we do. And Jesus, Jesus is bigger than my misunderstandings. Jesus is bigger than what, what, what I can't overcome. Every group that values its doctrine over what, what Jesus has done will always make, make that doctrine a hurdle for those who want to come to Jesus. I want you to know that if you know nothing about the Bible, absolutely nothing. And I hear this all the time. People say, I don't know. I kind of want to give my life to Jesus, but I don't think I know enough. People get rebaptized because, you know, back then I didn't know enough. What grade do you have to make on the test for Jesus to, for Jesus's cross and grave and throne to be for you? What is it? A B? You have to make an eight out of ten. There's more than 10 questions on most people's tests, but you know what I mean. What does it have to be? How do, we, how do we get to Jesus? Jesus says, you don't have to get to me. 
because I came to you. And the more obstacles we put in the way of people to get to the throne of God, the more harm we're doing to those people. Saying, you have to look like me. And you may have noticed, and we're going to talk about, starting next week, we're going to talk about some things that we've actually taken away from Jesus that Jesus wants back. And you may have noticed, though, over these past several weeks, all of this is just me adding me to Jesus. Right? My identity. My culture. My doctrine. It's my identity. My culture. My doctrine. And you end up dragging Jesus down when you do that more than Jesus lifts you up. And what God wants from us is to us just fully, mysteriously. But what I mean by that is, like, I, I don't know what's on about God right now. I had a friend used to, who used to say, if I get to heaven and Jesus isn't what I think he is, I'm going to be very surprised. But if I get to heaven and God's bigger than I thought he was, then I, obviously I'm, I, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Because I've got a whole, I've got four different life stories of Jesus, but God is just too big for my brain. But the clearest picture we have of Jesus, of God, is right there in Jesus, walking around in Israel, walking around in Palestine, and just having this, this God be man for you. You don't know enough. You're not going to pass the test. I promise. You're wrong about something. And Jesus says. So you may be at that point where you're like, ah, oh, this isn't for, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. There's only one who can make you ready, and it's not me. I can sit down with you and show you the coolest things about the Bible. The Bible has some really neat things that go on in it. I can make you a student of it. We can sit down and learn about it. I can tell you my opinions about different things. And I can probably tell you a lot of other people's about different things. Argue those pretty well too. But when we get done with that, you are not saved. Because only Jesus saves. And you come and find Jesus this morning. Find Jesus and commit your life to Jesus. Share in Jesus. Be united with Jesus. Because Jesus saves. Please come forward while we stand and let us stand.